Welcome to Health from the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lily Hartwell, a licensed naturopathic doctor on a mission to catalyze the journey toward overcoming your autoimmune disease. We'll show you the tools and how you can grow through this podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is the third installment of our ADHD, ADD podcast. And I'm going to follow this with more actionable items. So if you're just tuning in and you haven't heard part one and part two, where we set the stage and we start talking about some actionable things that you can do, go ahead and listen to those two first and then come back to this one. So this one is going to be very, very direct. Um, And I'm just going to guide you through seven things that I incorporate in either my own life or I have recommended to patients and I'm coming to you fresh from a consultation I just had with one of my patients that has ADD and ADHD so it's helpful for me um, to be able to focus in on you know high impact high value things that we may have overlooked in the previous episodes. So the first thing that uh, can be done that we haven't talked about yet is pairing objects and activities together. So going into a little bit more detail about that, um, it can be easy to overlook healthful habits in our life. And I already alluded to some of the ways that I do this. I just didn't exactly tell you why. Um, So for example, when I wake and upon waking, I hydrate. What I have paired is that water that's next to my bed in the morning. I have paired that water with my... Um, waking routine. So because I have linked this smaller activity and object with waking, it is a habit. And that goes with number two, which is to create habits. And knowing yourself is going to be key in creating these habits that allow you to pair objects and activities together to get things done. If you're somebody who is always losing your phone, a lot of us who have ADD and ADHD fall pray to this, then where do you put your phone? Do you put it in a consistent place? For example, when I get home, I put it in one of two places and I typically don't leave it lying around. When I am traveling somewhere, I put my phone in one bag, the same bag, the same pocket every single time so that I'm not rummaging around. I don't want to create unnecessary stress and because have you guys ever had that happen to you? Just think that, think to yourself for a moment. Have you ever had that happen to you where you're looking for your phone, you're looking for your keys, you're on your way out, and you're late for an event because you couldn't find either your phone or your keys? I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me. And so now what I do is I have a specific spot in my purse where my keys live. I have a specific spot in my purse where my phone lives. When I get home, I have a specific spot for my phone and my keys. When I... Um, get to my office. I have a specific spot for my phone and for my keys and several places for my keys actually depending upon what actions I'm taking because I have to unlock certain things in here. But beyond that, um, when I divert from that designated place where my phone or my keys are, I consistently forget them. 
And it's the same thing with my charger. If I don't link habits, if I don't address things right away, I will forget my charger. I will forget my phone. And I know it's, you're probably sitting there thinking, some of you who don't have ADD and don't have ADHD, you might be thinking to yourself, how could somebody possibly forget their phone, right? Or get all the way somewhere and they don't have the right keys. Well, you know, I have like four or five sets of keys for different places and, uh, they all live in one place and my phone, I'm not that attached to it. I'm really not. Um, and so anyway, by having a systematic place where these things live, it can eliminate a lot of excess stress, right? Like I've said in the past, stress is important and, um, stress it allows us, it's a, it's a survival mechanism that we have developed for ourselves, but that is, stress to the environment that in a, in a like life-saving situation a certain amount of stress in your life is good there's healthy stress and there's unhealthy stress and um, there's stressful situations that throw you into a spiral of anxiety that could have been easily avoided by you being more conscientious of where you've put things and another reason why I find creating these habits and addressing these things right away putting them right in their place right away is when you move there's been I can't remember where I read this study but Psychologically, I read a study once that psychologically as you pass from one threshold through the threshold of a door from one room to another room, you forget more easily what was going on in that room. And maybe this has happened to you guys. Have you ever gone into another room in a house or a building and then you're like, what, what did I come in here for? There is an interesting psychological phenomenon that I was reading about when you cross the threshold of a door and if you're not being, if you're being kind of absent-minded and you're not staying in the here and now in the present and being really actionable with your items and your activities, you can easily forget. It can easily slip away what your thought was. And so I think that it's really, really important to pair objects and activities and create habits so that you can automatically go through with your habit. And when you're absentmindedly looking for something, you know the first place to look is like, oh, did I put that there? Did I put this here? And Another thing that I kind of elaborate on with the creating habits is knowing yourself. I mentioned that earlier. I know for me, there are certain things that are important to me. And then there are certain things that are less important to me. For example, brushing my hair is important to me. Brushing my teeth is important to me. Whether or not I've applied um, makeup that day, not important to me. The comfortability of my clothes, that is really important to me. And the comfortability of my of my shoes and versatility in whatever I'm wearing because the ways the way that my days take me uh I may end up doing you know a minor surgery procedure in the morning or um an IV and then in the afternoon I'm doing cupping or acupuncture so uh, my exposure to blood and um you know sweat and other people's sweat and uh the fluid that I use to assist in applying the cups and all of those different chemicals that I use to clean things, um, that means that it's really helpful for me to be comfortable and for whatever I'm wearing to be able to be versatile in my movements. Because um, sometimes when I'm doing an IV, I'm crouching, or if I'm doing um, you know, cupping or acupuncture, I may be more likely to lean 
down or bend and it's just a lot more comfortable for me if I wear scrubs for example or if I'm wearing sneakers or tennis shoes or something of that nature so I know um, how to make things more convenient and comfortable for myself in my clothes in my habits in the shoes that I wear I typically will also I've talked about this on a different one of these podcasts for ADD is a contingency plan so I have spare pairs of shoes in my uh car. I started developing that when I was in college because I used to, um, I, for most of the time in college before I moved in with my partner, we, I, uh, lived with my parents and commuted and commuting from the college to, um, all the way to my parents' house was quite a drive. So if I forgot shoes for a chemistry lab or an organic chemistry lab, or if I forgot, um, a spare pair of uh, goggles. I wanted to have spare items of that, and that continued on into medical school. I would have separate, conta- um, separate white coats, and I would have separate pairs of shoes because in some labs you couldn't wear open-toed shoes, and in some, um, on some shifts we weren't allowed to wear scrubs because of the intending's preferences. So they wanted us to wear professional dress, and on others, like I might have had my minor surgery shift in the morning, and then um, a botanical medicine shift in the afternoon, and one attending didn't want scrubs and the morning attending we needed scrubs for the minor surgery um, procedures so having all of that context in mind has allowed for the contingency plan and so a part of my ease and convenience is having backups of things having a charger in my car just in case I forget the charger in my phone having um, a, a way of accessing passwords if I forget my phone and need to log into something from another portal having um adapters with me having multiple sets of headphones in case I think I can fit in a podcast episode or if I'm feeling kind of low vibe and I want to raise my vibe discreetly while I'm waiting in line at the post office I can listen to music through through my headphones and not disturb others or I can take a phone call while I'm driving a lot easier if I have a headset in my my headphones in so there's a lot of flexibility um, by knowing how you are as a person knowing your qualities and traits what do you tend to forget I've identified already in this podcast that I have a tendency to misplace my phone a tendency to misplace chargers or forget to grab chargers a tendency to misplace my keys and a realization that it's important to me to feel comfortable in what I'm wearing because I might be in that outfit for 10 to 15 hours a day and not know that when I'm first leaving my home and I've talked in another podcast episode about how I typically have uh, I have a lot of different things in my purse because sometimes when I go visit people I end up there for an extended period of time so having a snack and having some tea on hand um, can be really important for me and help me um, to go through my day uh, without having as many interruptions Um, because I can't always you know jet over to the to the convenience store to grab something especially the way that my schedule is with my practice. The third habit I would say that is really important for my ADD patients is responding right away, whether it's directly or indirectly. So, um, and now this is kind of contrary to another podcast episode where I know I've talked about um, not not yielding to the urgency of others if it's going to be at your detriment. But this is a little bit different because you can indirectly prepare a response for something, even if you're not in the capacity to respond to it. So if I get a message or... Um, you know, there, there are some things that come up where I'm trying to think of a specific examples. If one of my assistants needs like an action item and I'm not, I don't have those things on hand, I will start to make a note 
in my phone uh, for that. And I'll, I'll start pre-drafting something of, you know, the first things that pop into my mind so that later I can go build upon those messages. If somebody mentions something to me in passing that requires action, um, like for example, this morning, my uh, apartment manager left a phone call voice message, which I missed because I was in an appointment, I was seeing a patient. And um, the phone message said something about needing to make a copy of my keys. And because I didn't take action, because when I got that message, by the time I turned my phone back on after the appointment, I was at the post office. So I didn't take action on it and I really shouldn't have listened to it, uh, the voicemail, um, in the parking lot without taking action on it. But it was so hot in the car in the parking lot that I just wasn't even thinking about it. I was like, okay, let me get into some, let me get into the cool building um, to cool down. It's like, you know, 113 degrees out today. And so because I didn't take action on it later, like six or seven hours later, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to send her an email. So she had requested me to call her back. I prefer emailing her back because I can do it on my own time schedule and I don't have to think about whether or not the office is open. A lot of times I will call somebody back and not realize that it's after hours or it might be a Saturday or a Sunday and I don't even realize it because I work between six and seven days a week, not necessarily in the practice, but I'm I'm basically working almost every day. So I don't always know like, oh, this is a holiday or oh, this is this day. Um, So for me, an indirect way of messaging is to start drafting an email or to start drafting a message or to write jot a note down in my planner. I always carry post-it notes with me um, so that I can put the post-it note with the adhesive side into my planner, which is almost always with me. Um, Or I can set a reminder in my phone that when I arrive at a certain location, I will get a reminder to do this or that, to grab this or that. And another, that's a great point. Sometimes I forget things that I need for certain classes. Like if I end up teaching from my home office for one of my late night classes, there is a set of headphones that I have that I don't carry with me all the time because they're a very, very nice set of headphones and I want to keep them in great condition. And they have a microphone, which helps helps keep me from straining my voice because I lecture almost every single day. And it preserves more of my uh, voice and prevents me from getting a sore throat. So I sometimes forget that microphone. What I will do is put a little reminder in my phone that when I arrive at my clinic on a Wednesday, knowing that my class is going to be on Thursday, that it's important for me to grab it either Wednesday or Thursday to take it with me so that by the end of the day, I have that to pull out. So that's an example of how I can respond to something right away, either directly or indirectly. Um, and it doesn't mean that we need to, you know, send off a message right away. If you get a message and you're not in a space to respond to it, then you can unmark it as read or um, or you can forward it to yourself on another. Sometimes what I do is I forward one email to another email of mine so that it will come up as a new email. Um, or sometimes I can only take action from a certain email that's I'm logged into and on a certain device. So I might forward it to that email knowing that it'll be easier for me to print something, for example. So how can you respond right away, either directly or indirectly, um, and take action right away? A lot of times, for example, when we get home, we're pretty exhausted and we just want to veg out on the couch. For me, I know that right away when I get home, I need to put my shoes away right away I need to lock the door right away so that I don't think about it late in when I'm trying to go to bed and like oh did I lock the door 
and then I put my keys in their designated spot and I put my phone in its designated spot and I will typically start working on dinner because of the time that I get home and the, di- and the distance of time um, from when I had lunch to when I have dinner. So I take all of those things into consideration um, before I settle in to start decompressing from the day. And if there's dishes, I might work on the dishes um, while the sun is still out, while there's still sunlight. Um, so I w- might take action. And, and, I, and it's, I feel a lot better when I start the decompression process um, and, I, and I turn my phone off and I start the decompression process. I feel a lot better because I've taken care of so many tasks right when I got home, right when I had that momentum from getting home. And then I don't have to guilt myself and try to re-motivate myself um, after I've started the decompression process. And then I also might do a reward system where um, I complete a task, then I might reward myself by listening to a little podcast, listening to one of my favorite songs, and then I might go do another task, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, monotony in, in my day that I don't necessarily really like, like restocking inventory or um, trying to keep on top of the household chores um, as a single person in a household when there's so much space. I'm really looking forward to downsizing because I feel overwhelmed by uh, the amount of space I have to maintain every day. The next thing I would say is set high priority goals. So um, I, I mentioned this in the past, but I just wanted to reiterate because I think I got some clarifying questions um, and so I wanted to build upon this. When I say set high priority goals, what I'm really referring to is in the morning when you're getting ready for your day or when you're trying to plan out your week, maybe on a Sunday, what are the three things minimum, I, I do a minimum of three things that I really must get done that day or have started making progress on that day. For example, on Thursday, I have a meeting with my boss about some curriculum development for a botanical medicine class. I know that I have that meeting on Thursday morning, but I'm also in the middle of a launch for one of my programs. So I need to work on the script and the documents for that program and be prepared to talk about the curriculum and those things are back to back on Thursday. So I started that process of working on both the scripts and the curriculum every day since I first set the meeting last Thursday. So I set that meeting a week in advance knowing that I could probably meet with the person before that, but that really it would be better for me to show up um, with ample time and preparation so I can I can basically chip away at it every day for a little while knowing that as I'm in that process um, I am going to feel drained after a while and maybe I, I can't I just I tend to overestimate what I can do in a day um, but if I b- chunk it out based on hour by hour which is what I do I do um, time chunking I, I block my schedule and I'm like okay for this hour and a half or 45 minutes I'm going to work on this extensively only and I'm not going to introduce any other distractions Um, a lot of that comes into phone and email responses even messaging with my um, assistant they know I will get back to them as soon as possible now I do get back to one of my main brick and mortar assistant way quicker than my other assistants because whatever's going on there is typically more important but I will check that back in with him after I've done my my 
time chunks, my, my block. So I might have a block where I'm dedicatedly going to work on, say, the botanical medicine curriculum for 45 minutes. I'll check in with my assistant, see if there's anything that for the practice that needs to be done. Then I'll address that. I'll, I'll dedicate like 10 or 15 minutes. And then the next block will be like recording this podcast, which I'm going to set aside 45 minutes for as I create my outline, get everything ready, get all the equipment set up and then do the recording and then send it off to our team for editing. So in that process, I, by blocking and by setting high priority goals, I know I can chip away at things and, and it really helps for me and the way that my ADD works to be able to work on something for an hour or two per day and not have the pressure of having left something to the day before, like say that Wednesday before. Now that doesn't mean I'm perfect and that I'm never working on things the night before or the night of. It just means that by the time, like for example, a patient's coming in, I've gotten their labs or I've gotten their imaging or I've started working on their treatment plan and I know kind of where we're going to head in that appointment so I can start prepping because the reality is it takes one to two hours for every appointment I have no matter its duration I have prepared one to two hours outside of that appointment time which is not really you know being charged or for or um, accounted for right and so sometimes patients don't realize I've already invested two to three hours um, depending on what it is in some cases I've invested nine and ten hours before I have a 30-minute appointment with someone because I had to do further research or what they had going on was rather complicated and I had to seek secondary opinions start talking to my colleagues things of that nature So I set high priority goals. I try to set them as far in advance as possible so that I can allow for my way of being knowing this is again where knowing yourself and knowing how you show up is really, really important so that I can anticipate that I I may not have the um, vitality to vigorously go through with this project in an eight hour chunk, but I can totally do eight hours at one hour per day for eight days. That works way better for how I am as a person. So knowing yourself, knowing how you operate, that's going to be really helpful for you. Alongside that, it's um, knowing your best environment. And uh, on top of environment, I'm I'm going to talk about like your physical environment, but also um, your time that go, they go hand in hand. So I know that I don't do well in the evening. Because I classically get up between 4 and 5 in the morning, I don't want to be making critical decisions after 5 p.m. By by the time 5 p.m. rolls around, I am ready to chill. I'm ready to relax, depending on where I am. Go for a dip in the pool, especially if it's summertime. Start barbecuing some food for dinner and just relaxing, decompressing, sitting outside and enjoying nature. So knowing that, I'm not going to schedule things late in the evening or afternoon. I want to schedule things early in the morning. I know that's what works best for me. Now, I'm not saying this has to work for you. I'm just saying knowing yourself is really, really important. Knowing the physical environment that you operate best in is really important too. For years, I convinced myself that I operated best. And this goes back to high school, literally in high school, studying for calculus in the middle of a busy coffee shop. And I couldn't understand why I was struggling so hard. Um, And it's because I need quiet. Once I got to medical school, actually, I think it took me one to two years into medical school before I really got, I really confronted the fact that I need to operate in quiet. And it's because I grew up in a very noisy, chaotic household um, with my extended family and my um, extended brothers and my extended sister. So in that whole process, I grew up thinking that chaos, I thrived in chaos, that chaos was beneficial for me, but I actually find that I need really quiet time in order to be um, 
as efficient with my time. Now, that's not to say that I can't work in that environment. It's just to say that I realize if I'm trying to get something important done, like writing an article for um, a naturopathic uh, article or a naturopathic magazine, or if I'm having to write critical research material or do a review, or if I'm working on lessons plans or treatment plans or I'm reading research, I need quiet so that I can really process that to the degree that I actually do a lot of things in silence. Um, and that was never my reality um, and until, you know, six or seven years ago. That really wasn't the reality that I lived my life in, in quiet like that. So knowing yourself, knowing your environment, how to optimize yourself and your efficiency. Because if I know that it'll take me eight hours to do something in a noisy room, but I could do it in half the time in quiet, then I'm going to go do it in quiet. Why take double the amount of time? to do something when if I could set the conditions right, you know, not to mention if I set it at the right time of day, I knock out so much in the first four hours of me waking that makes, I mean, that's how I'm so productive. You know, I know when, when to work and when, how to set the environment. And I also know how to work when I'm not feeling it. Um, And that's a part of knowing the best environment, because if I optimize the environment, even when I don't feel like doing it, because that's a huge part of overcoming my ADD for me is pushing through it and recognizing I consistently complete things by persevering. But I also give myself time and space. That, that That's not to say that there aren't days where I'm like, okay, this is just not working out and I need to go take a chill pill, go to the butterfly gardens and just take a moment for myself. Um, so I always like to honor both of those. The next thing that I would say is done is better than perfect. And a great example is this podcast episode. I broke this podcast episode up into three parts. I can't even, I mean, you wouldn't even believe the things that came up while I tried to record each part. And not to mention how many months I have been working on setting this all up and then finally realizing, you know what, I'm just going to start working through it. I have my outlines the conditions will never be optimal. Um, and, and in the process, you may have noticed, you know, at po- the first part of this one, there was leaf blowers going off everywhere. The second part of one, there was a creature on top of the ceiling that was circling around me. Um, and the third one, there was somebody uh, tapping on the glass throughout my podcast, trying to get my attention um, outside of the clinic windows. So it has been a journey. And a, that's a part of it is just recognizing that done is better than perfect. Of course, it would be great to re-record every part without any of those things. But if I hadn't just pointed them all out, you might not have even know th- known that they existed. And when I started really embracing that, the fact that just completing a task is better than it being perfect, I realized how stuck in perfectionism so much of what I was doing was and that I had um, I, I would have like nine almost complete tasks, but that last 1% was so hard for me to finish. And a great, uh, a great example of that is the money mindset workshop that I do. I have a whole year long abundance course and I really love that course. It's called money mindset Mondays. And I promise as, as we, uh, grow and evolve and have new students each year, I always make, uh, I make changes based on the feedback that we got. So the last cohort said they would love monthly meditations. I had a few meditations in that program, but I didn't have monthly ones. So I told them I'd roll out the monthly ones over time. And it took a long time because they needed to be, the scripts needed to be written and then recorded and the scripts put into documents to be uploaded. And then the finalized editing for 
um, all of the supply, making sure that the audio was well supplied and well heard and, and acoustic and everything of that nature. So we're still not, we don't, it's, we're a couple months into that and we have nine of 12 done and they're not completely done and that's okay. I let them know the cohort's already done with the, the class. This is just, um, things that they wanted improvements that they wanted and recognizing I, I, I have so many things going on that sometimes done is just better than perfect. And the next thing that I would say, the final thing is sleep and hydration are key to your optimization. So what I find a lot of times is um, exacerbations for ADHD are not being hydrated, not being well rested, and trying to work through all of that typically makes um, your ADHD, not to mention those comorbidities that we talked about in another episode, your anxiety, your possibility of depression, possible substance use disorders, um, particularly in the in the use of stimulants. You know, you for example might need more coffee if you didn't sleep well. And for some of you, coffee is very beneficial for your ADD, and for others, it really exacerbates you. And you turn into a dog chasing a squirrel, um, and then you end up going around in circles chasing your tail. Right. So there are a lot of different reasons why sleep hygiene and hydration can really play a key role in overcoming your ADD. But it has a lot to do with optimizing yourself and providing the right conditions for your human body to operate and recognizing those conditions and reorienting them as possible. Thank you so much for listening to me, guys. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you think of the show by writing a review in iTunes. If you screenshot before submitting, before it gets lost in the abyss for review, and send to us at drlilyhartwell at gmail.com, we'll send you a free guided breathwork. May you go on with your day in joy.